The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. And good evening, everybody, and hello, and welcome to Sports Talk New York on this Sunday night, February 21st. 2021 here on Long Island's WGBB 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Gary Harding here. I'll be your host along with my tag team partner, John Panneries, Brian Graves, on the other side of the glass on this Sunday night. And uh, on our first hour of the show, we are going to be talking with former Islander Rich Pilon, uh, discussing his career and what he's doing now post-NHL. And for those of you that follow the show especially with John and I over the past seven years. We are primarily an Islander-focused, Islander-centric show. And what we're deciding to do, and we started it a couple months ago, is we're going to do an Islander alumni corner. And, uh, Brian, if you wouldn't so mind to play the uh, intro music for us, please. That's great. Yeah, well, we hope our guest that's waiting to come on in a couple seconds will remember that uh, those dulcet tones of uh, Paul Cartier at the organ at the Coliseum. And uh, he might be actually listening right now, Paul. And if you are listening, hope you're getting better. We know that you're, uh, you're ha- you uh, just had some uh, surgery and you're getting rehab done on your back. And we hope that you uh, get back to the organ soon, both at the Coliseum and at Yankee Stadium as baseball is starting soon. So we will bring in... Our guest this evening to the Islander alumni portion of the show, um, a former New York Islander draft pick, spent t- uh, actually uh, the better part of 11 years on the island. Um, most of his 631 NHL games were spent wearing the blue and orange, and he is Rich Pilon calling us, uh, talking to us live from uh, from somewhere in Saskatchewan. Rich, it's Gary and John. Uh, glad you're uh, able to join us and hope you're doing well. Well, hey guys, thanks for having me on. Uh, appreciate the offer. The, uh, the offer to come up and join you guys for a Sunday night here. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, before we get into your uh, your career, um, uh, actually, just uh, for the, for those of us, especially the John and I, who are uh, you know close to the same age as you are and stuff, um, we know you're uh, you you've uh, got a, a new job uh, where you're actually coaching a GM in in uh, the Saskatchewan Junior League. Why don't you just tell us a little about that before we get into the Islander stuff? Okay, uh, yeah, I'm coaching in uh, Weyburn, Saskatchewan, and it's uh, uh, it's, it's uh, Tier Two Junior, so it's uh, Junior A. It's uh, the players that we deal with here are uh, anywhere from the age of 16 to 20. And a lot of kids that come the junior A level, uh, tier, tier two hockey junior, uh, usually are on the path to, uh, at the collegiate level, looking for Div 1 schools, Div 3, and, you know, more of a school, uh, process to, uh, instead of going like the major junior that we usually go here in, in Canada, which is the Western Hockey League. So this is the SJHL, and, uh, yeah, it's a good town. It's, uh, it's uh, south. It's close to the. We're we're about an hour from the border, hour and a half from the border of uh, North Dakota. So, uh, you know, obviously I make my home in Saskatoon, but uh, I spend a lot of my time here in Weyburn now that I've taken on this job. So, um, getting used, to getting back to the fun of uh, from your junior days of uh, taking the bus trips and stuff. I'm sure it brings uh, back a lot of memories. Yeah, you know what? It, it's it's. Uh, 
the job kind of fell on my lap. You know, my son kind of spent most of my time around the family and, and being around my son, Garrett, who's drafted by the Capitals and, uh, you know, trying to pave his own or leave his own footprint, I guess, in the hockey world. And, you know, he's, uh, he's very close. Uh, he's had some pretty, he's had, you know, since COVID hit, he was, he was having a strong year again last year. And obviously with this whole year, the way things have turned out, um, um, you know, it's a little bit tougher for him just to try and get, you know, to make that mark because teams are going with what they know right now, just with the shortened season. Right. Um, and, you know, now you come back. So I took this job as a uh, more of like a, a challenge and just to see really how much uh, I like the game and, you know, stuff that I grew up, I guess, you know, as a player, uh, then being a, the father of a son that that is, uh, you know, going through the process, uh, what I've what I'm trying to do here in Weyburn is just to be as transparent as I can with with the families, with the players, and uh, it's actually you know it's been it's been a, honestly it's been a blast. It's been fun. Uh, we haven't won as much as we want we wanted to last year, but it was the first year and my first year at the Elm. So um, you know this year I, I thought we had a pretty good team coming in, and um, you know all of a sudden COVID hit, and now you're kind of scrambling. Everybody's scrambling, but. Uh, it'll be what it'll be, and you kind of got to roll with the punches and uh, do the best you can. That's, that's really all you can do, <laughs> especially in the current situation. With that, I said it's the really it's it's the best you can do with the current situation. You know, with the, with COVID's really made the world a lot different in the last year. Oh yeah, it's been uh, it's been uh, you know it's what they we're trying we're trying to get our league here going and. You know, we're trying to get through the hurdles with government and, uh, you know, we, we basically we're on a timeline now and, um, you know, we're, we're looking to try and start the season on April 2nd, but there's self-isolation and, you know, obviously there's a cost to all this stuff and, uh, you know, so the parents now are helping out because, you know, it's just all these extra costs that you don't usually have as an organization because of COVID. Yeah, it's, it's like I said, it's offered all kinds of challenges, but... You know, speaking of your your hockey career, um, you know, Gary and I obviously we, we were longtime Islander fans. Um, you know, I was a season ticket holder back in the day when you when you joined the Islanders in in '89, and you were one of my favorites because I'm an old school, uh, you know, heart and soul player type of of fan, and and you were the guy. I mean, it just uh, you you to me typified what what hockey was all about. But, you know, the thing, though, is obviously being the type of player, I, I don't know how many younger fans, you know, if we have out there, but maybe you could just kind of tell us about your style of play and your your time as an Islander, what your role was and how you, how you felt about it, obviously dealing with a lot of injuries because of the style of play you had. Yeah, I think, yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you for the kind words there, too. And, just, uh, yeah, you know, my style of play, obviously, uh, the game has changed now, and, and my style was, I uh, came in as a, you know, coming out of major junior here in Canada, came, you know, kind of as a, a walk-on, so to speak, you know, as a late draft pick, and ended up making the team at 20, and uh, my style was just a very, you know, shut-down defenseman, uh, always a good compliment to uh, to an offensive guy, you know, as a stay-at-home, and you know, my job was just to make sure that my plus minus was good and make sure I got the, you know, kept the puck moving and that in usually because you're playing with probably the one or two, uh, defensemen on the team, the top guy, you end up playing hard minutes, you know, obviously against the top six guys and, and because you're either playing with the, the first or second best defense and with me being a shutdown guy, 
and then that became my role and you know kind of and i compliment uh you know the late al arbor who really kind of said here if you want to play in the nhl for a long time a lot of guys are he considered me even more of a throwback and uh late bloomer uh coming to the dance and uh he said finishing and and, and you know just cherishing that role you'll probably play a game a long time and i think you know going back to the injuries um, you know, and I, you know, I've got a son who's like I, like I said, Garrett's tried to do his path, but you know, because of my style and because of the way I played, not only in games but in practices, because I had this, I, I always had to pedal down and, and um, didn't you know t- didn't take care of my body well enough because I just more or less abused it. And uh, like anything, when you when you got to pedal down, um, you're gonna you're gonna run into problems. Eventually, wheels fall off and. Uh, that kind of was, you know, my thing. I just kind of played hard and uh, tried to do the best I can, game in and game out. I wasn't, uh, was never the most skilled guy out there or the best skater, but um, you know, a lot of the coaches that I I know that coached me, and you know, they're trying to get me here in the Hall of Fame here in Saskatchewan. So a lot of my old coaches have been sending letters, they've been talking about me, and you always wonder what people think about you, as especially that your coaches, right? They don't really have that heart to heart when you're leaving or anything and uh it's pretty neat to see some of the guys like you know rick bonus millberry uh lauren henning uh just some really good words about what i really was to the team and you know i was a uh you know for what my god-given talent that i was given i you know i made the best i can and you know kind of you know had a good career because of it you certainly did well you also mentioned you know you mentioned how al arbor and i know um you know he came in to the, came back to the team around when around the time when you uh when you started joining but just just looking back at that 88 89 team and you, and you look at the roster i mean some of the players on that team you know thomas johnson you know jeff norton kenny morrow billy smith brian trache pat lafontaine I can imagine as as a twenty year old coming up at that at that point in time with all these these Islander legends there. I mean, what was what was it just going in the locker room trying to uh, I guess you know take in you know any any tidbits from from some of these some of these great guys. Uh, you know what? I, I don't know if I took any. Um, geez, how can I answer that? Because there's there's. T- First of all, the Islanders were one of my favorite teams. So them and the Montreal Canadiens, I thought I had one, you know, I had one team in the, on the Canadian side that I liked, and then my other team on the on the other side of the border was the Islanders. But when I look back now as a kid, the reason I picked those two teams, I was a bandwagoner. I took the <laughs> Montreal was winning all the cups. There's nothing wrong with that, Rich. <laughs> and, and then the Islanders were winning on the other side. So when it came to bragging rights, I think that we know obviously being in a small town and playing hockey all the time, you know, on the outdoor, on the ODRs and that, I just, I, I just had, obviously I, I was smart enough to know who were the best teams in the NHL because those became my favorite teams. So, uh, pretty special, obviously, when you get drafted by the team that you did become a, a big fan of. And like you said, when you, you know, um, when you go into the locker room and you see, it, even before that, you know, the getting drafted part, um, and I'm not sure if you don't have my whole history of my draft when it wasn't the normal path of a, of a draft pick, so I don't know if you guys know that history side of it. Do you guys know that at all? Or um, I know you were drafted late. Yeah, you know, it was like around the one. Yeah, I was off. drafted late, but you know how they draft out of the what the major junior, like to like the WHL, the Q, like the Q, the Q mm-hmm. they call right. 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 Um, I was, you know, now it's the USHL. Now they have on on the US side, but I was drafted out of the league 
So where I am now in junior A, mm-hmm. I was still a league underneath this. That's where I got drafted from. Ooh. Oh, wow. Really? So if you put the WHL at the, the draft list, then you would have junior A, then you would have this midget U18, it's called. And that's where I got drafted out of. So I'm one of two players to be drafted out of that league. Wow. Ever, oh. right? Yeah, and we so see that. Right, we see Prince Albert. Right, with that's that? it. Yeah, yeah, we see Albert Prince Raiders, Albert when we right. look at your stats. Yeah, it's Prince Albert. It was midget AAA, and that's why. So I never, I hadn't played major junior until I was 18, where a lot of kids that are on the path to be drafted at the NHL are in the, you know, they're playing major junior at 60. Wow. Right? So um, obviously a big, you know, being to, I had no idea I was getting drafted. Then I'm drafted, and uh, there was a lot of things that went past it before that. Even like getting drafted, um, not having no idea, never been on a plane. Um, I could go on to a little bit of a story if you guys are okay listening to a little bit of a story. It's kind of fun. no, it's that's okay. by all means, Rich. Go Please. for it, man. So what happened was when I got drafted, I was in a small town in Saskatchewan here getting drafted. My we were in horses, obviously, and um, and I'd gotten hurt. I'd been called up from the U eighty U eighteen team to the major junior team to play. But I had gotten hurt in playoffs a little bit. I kind of tweaked my knee. And so when I got drafted, I had this MCL, a bit of a tweak. And um, we had to call, like, so first of all, surprised to be drafted. Well, now i got to call New York to, you know, to, because we weren't home on the weekend when the draft was on. I wasn't even home. <laughs> and my sister, my dad thought my sister was actually pulling, pulling his leg or our leg that, Look, why would the Islanders be calling Rich, right? <laughs> and she goes, "No, they got to, you got to, you got to call them back." But we had no way of calling them because we didn't have like there's no cell phones. We're in we're in Timbuk nowhere, so sort of paid phone. I actually tried to call the office. The number my sister gave me it was the Islander office, but there was nobody there on the weekend, so we couldn't call. Jeez. So then we got home on, and then when we got home on Monday, well Sunday night or Monday when I did call the Islanders. I had to call collect because we we didn't have like long distance on our on our plans. Oh, and so I called the Islanders, and I remember uh, I don't know who the lady with the club, but I remember Joanne Hollowell, who's still there. She yeah. just, she had to like okay the collect call, right? Oh my god! So uh, I finally get on the phone with with, uh, with Terry Simpson was there. And, Right. So he explained my injury a bit, and then he's like, well, we want you to come up to New York. And I'm like, when? And he goes, well, we'll try and get a game by the weekend. I'm like, I've never been on a plane. Oh, oh boy. God. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, so he goes, well, you're going to have to get on one. I'm like, yeah, but I don't know if I want to go on a plane. And he's like, you're going to have to get on. Like, I don't even know if I want to go. So it's freaking hilarious. So I end up... Going from excited to as much fear as you can put in a body because I'm scared of heights. Oh, oh no. Jeez. Never been on a plane. My, my parents actually think I'm, I'm not coming back, that I'm actually going to die. <laughs> We're driving like it's an hour flight from the small town I am to the major city, which I live now, Saskatoon, is my home. Right. And it, and it, the whole way my mom is praying the rosary like we're Catholic. She's doing the whole rosary the whole way there. <laughs> And we get, we get, so I jump on the plane and I, everything, well, you know, you, you know what it's like when yeah. everything for the first time with a kid and sure, first time flying, first time anything is, is like scary, whatever it may be. And, and I am absolutely petrified. Like I, <laughs> I honestly don't think I'm, I think I'm actually going to die. Like I'm trying to imagine this plane 
and how it's not going to stay in the air. How is it going to stay in the air? Because I'm like totally, I don't want to say redneck, but pretty, you know, very naive, right? <laughs> we, know, we, we never went on trips or anything. You see, then, you know, and, and it, so I'm part native, so we have a lot of uh, indigenous and, you know, native people mm-hmm. in our area here in Saskatchewan especially, right? So I haven't seen a black person yet, ever in my life. Jeez. So now I'm jumping on a plate and I'm thinking, like, I'm just like, what, where, like, do I really want to do this? <laughs> and, you know, I landed in Toronto, then I landed in New York, and Simpson picked me up, and I'm absolutely get off the plane, and I'm like, I'm nervous, like I'm scared, like I'm actually scared. And Simpson gets me, and uh, Terry picks me up, and congratulations, blah, 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 and uh, we're driving from LaGuardia. We're going to the to the Coliseum, and he's like, "Do you mind? We got to pick up a town car." I'm like, "What do you mean a town car? I don't know what a town car is." <laughs> he goes, "What's another car that we rent?" He goes, uh, "Gerald Diddick and Dale Henry and Brad and these guys have this car, Brad Lauer. I got to pick it up. They got we got to bring it back to the Coliseum." I'm like, "Well, who's going to drive it?" He goes, "Well, you are." Oh, I'm not driving the car. I go, "There's no way I'm driving the car." I said, Simpson, I said, you're from Prince Albert. You know what, where, where I drive. I drive on like dirt roads and like two lanes. There's like three lanes or four lanes on this road we're on. I'm not driving it. He goes, Rich, you'll be fine. You, you drive your horses. You, you got, you're used to driving. You don't drive. He goes, you stay between the lanes. I'm like, yeah, but what, I don't have a phone. What if I get lost? Like, I don't want to get lost. Like, I'm worried about getting lost. It's, the driving part, fine. But I don't want to get lost, so I'm arguing with the coach. That I'm not driving the car. So we pick up the car, and if you know Terry at all, he's a real, like, very dry sense of humor mm. guy. Uh, you, you, he's hard to get to know, but he's very doesn't say a lot. And so we pick up this flipping car, and I'm like, oh my god, I am so scared. So I'm like, you know what? It was like I was driving NASCAR. I was on. I was stuck. Like I'm. I was stuck on the back end of his bumper, right? <laughs> and we, and we get. I remember we get. We drive. You know, you do the loop there in LaGuardia. Mm-hmm. Like another where LaGuardia, or the Coliseum. Maybe when you turn back, there used to be. A, I don't know if it's still there at the old Coliseum, but you take that turnaround to go back to, to the Marriott. Yes, yes. Yeah, and there. it's still there. And we're going to the Coliseum. We're going that way, and I'm like, well, fuck, we're going the wrong way. The Coliseum's right there. I'm in awe of the Coliseum. I almost get into an accident, for Christ's sake, <laughs> because I'm looking at the Coliseum now, right? I'm watch. I'm not watching the road now. <laughs> it was just so funny. So then I get down there, and I meet Mr. Tory, and so they want me to go see Dr. Minkoff in the, in the city. Oh, no. So, so yeah, so I go... Oh, so this, this, Joey this McMahon, who became the equipment manager for quite a few years, right? Mm-hmm. So he, I'm in the down in the in the. I've met like Terry, and we're in the dressing room. They're showing me the dressing room, and we're you know I'm looking around. I'm looking at obviously all the names, Gillies, and I'm just in total like. You want to talk about a kid in a candy store, and just don't even know what to think, right? Uh-huh. And they bring up that we're I like, gotta go to the city, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, okay, that's what like. Where's Dr. Minkoff? They go, well, you're going to jump on the train, and then you're going to, I go to train, and they go, yeah, then you'll, you'll get to the Penn Station, and then you're going to jump on a subway to get to Dr. I go, oh, I'm not God. going. Oh, I go, I'm not going. <laughs> and Terry go, Terry's like, well, what do you mean you're not going? I said, I'm not going. I am not going. I am not going on the train. I am not, I don't know what you guys have to do, but I'm not going down there. Can he not come here? <laughs> Dr. Minkoff, right? <laughs> And then, so Joey McMahon was in the room, and Joey was like, 
Well, I could drive him, guys, if you guys want. Cause he was like, a, you know, he was becoming like learning to be a, he was helping out. Like he wasn't a Joey McMahon. Like the guy. Sorry, Joey McMahon yeah. was my neighbor. I've known him since he was about six, three years old. So yeah, I know who you're talking. Oh about. really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so Joey drove Joey drove me to my first appointment, <laughs> and that was my first time in ever playing hockey or being in New York and going flying back home and going. I'm like, I don't know if I want to. How bad do I really want to do this? Like, I don't know if I want. To. Like I'm thinking, I like this is how naive I was. I thought I was going to play there the next year. <laughs> right, and it took like I had no, I had no idea about depth chart. Drafted to me meant I was on the team. <laughs> so wow. my ignorance, so my ignorance, and you know, no disrespect, no disrespect to my parents, but sometimes the less you know is a lot better. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Because you don't know. Everybody thinks that things that probably thought I was half nuts that I was going to go play in the NHL, and now all of a sudden Richard's going to play in the NHL, and they're like Jesus. Because I had no idea. All I knew, I once I got drafted, and once I figured it out, I'm like, I'm playing here no matter what. And I remember uh, at 20 years old and uh, going to camp, and, and there was my junior team, like the Prince Albert Raiders, were saying, Rich, you know, you've only played two years of major junior. Coming back at the third year is very, it's not too often a player plays two years and plays. So they were giving me a, basically a place to fall already, and I was thinking the whole time. I remember telling Rick Wilson, I said, I'm not coming back. <laughs> he goes. I go. I'm going to make the team. I'm actually going to be on the team, and that's kind of how it was. Yeah, I mean, you're, did, one, you're one of those rare ones that that didn't go through the AHL. You just went straight right onto yep. the Islander team in '89, '88, '89. Yeah, and little, you know, there's always luck. You know, you got to be be in the right place at the right time. Having somebody in your corner that believes in you, uh, getting there, and then showing you can play. And now you got to stay. Like you know, I always tell kids, and I tell you know my son this. He didn't. You know, these young men here, it's, you know, I said the easy part is making a team. Like getting to be on a team, say you're on the team, that's the easy part. Now you got to prove you can stay. Now you can pl- prove to a lot of people that you're good. Right? You're good enough to Absolutely. be there. Right? So getting drafted and just saying you're drafted is, like, that doesn't mean shit. Right. You know, proving you got to make a team and be on that team and to hold that spot because there's so many guys coming up that want to take it away from you. Right. Right. You know, and and for me, that's what it was. It was scratching and clawing, and my whole career of ignorance, whatever you want to call it, was always about nothing was ever handed to me ever. And then here I am. I got a son now that, and even players here in this room, I'm trying to make everything easier for them. And I think, and I don't know if that's the right way sometimes. Right. Yeah. I'm because you never learn time. how to actually. Scratch and claw, and, 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 and take something away from someone. Because stripes. everything's been, you know, as parents, and I'm not, I'm sure if you guys are, you know, parents or if you guys have any kids, we do everything to our kids that we don't have. Then we sit there and we go, why the hell does our kid act like that? <laughs> <laughs> it's our fault. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> or my fault. I wouldn't say ours, but I'll say mine. Right. Right. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So well, kind of a neat story, though. For my oh, that's first a, it was a great story. And then, you know, just getting, to, like, going back to that room, I guess we can go back there where, you know, eight, you know, not eight, my two first training camps, I was there for 14 days the first time, 12 the next. Then I'm on the team, but I used to stay there the longest because when we were at that old Kennedy Park, I don't know if you guys remember that. I know, yep. I grew up there was that. that big dome in the middle, and you know the, the, the pros had their room, and we were all stuck in these damn lockers. And, yep. And I remember I'd be done early, on the first session, but then I would pretend to stretch out and work on my sticks. 
just so I could watch the, the like card gillies and these guys walked into walk to their practice and back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just crazy. Yeah. So yeah, it's kinda neat. Well, you know, once you made the team, you obviously won the hearts and, and minds of play, of fans like myself. But take us back, I guess the, the most interesting, you know, most memorable aspect, I'm sure you've been asked about this numerous times, was the playoffs in 93, and particularly the Pittsburgh Penguins series, and what happened in Game 7, if you know what I'm yeah, thinking of. I- yeah, I think that whole, that, obviously that run of, you know, was my only run. So it's like, right. uh, being part of that was, you know, it's, you, you see why when someone, when the player, when, whether it be at the NFL or baseball, when you win the big one, you know, for us it's a Stanley Cup. The, the process of getting to it is what you enjoy the most. Mm-hmm. Lifting the, the Stanley Cup, which I've never had the opportunity, it's got to be the most. We were that close. You could, for me personally, you could taste it. Right. And it, it's it's just a the team game seven. You know, obviously with Pittsburgh being, we're supposed to three peak because they had another team that they could go for. Another, they were making going to be making another big run. All of a sudden, you know, the the the, un, the underdog, whatever that we were, and and then all of a sudden there we are. You know, beating Washington, going after the. The, st- the stuff that happened with Washington and and Hunter, and then you get to to to, to the to the Penguins, and now you're you're dealing with going to Game Seven, which now that's scary. We have nothing to lose, and you know obviously the situation happened with Kevin Stevens, which wasn't great for him, but for us as a team, you know that probably him doing what he did, trying to do to me, really the focus of their their bench had because. I got to play with Kevin with the Rangers, and Kevin's one of those glue guys. He is not one; he is the glue guy of the team. Every he's he's a happy-go-lucky guy. Everybody loves him. The the, the, the the superstars like him. The grinders love him. He talks to everybody. So him getting hurt at the that crucial time of the game for sure put a stall into that or like that bench. It had to have because of the way he is as a person and how he is such a good friend with all of them. So, and obviously we went on after that, and uh, you know ran out a little bit of gas, I believe, and uh, yeah, it was it was just an unbelievable, amazing, and we got to see the Al Arbor that you know like Brent Sutter and these guys talked about that uh, you know and Ray Ferraro, these guys we talked about how Pat Flatley mentioned even I mean Flatley was saying to us how that's like the Al because when Al did his his pregame speeches to before we went on the ice. And, he, and after we beat even Washington, and then we, he was never about Al. Was, you know, Al was one of those, you know, obviously he's a Hall of Fame coach, and he's a better, even a better, you know, as much as he's a great coach, he's, he's, he's just a better person. And Al cared, and you knew he cared. So because of that, you're willing to go through a wall. And, you know, and, and that's, you know, I we talked about it many times over, you know, having beers and that, and, and talked about how, like, when he did his talk, like the hair was standing on your back, you were ready to just get whatever was in front of you. You're getting over it. <laughs> That's how he made you feel. Yeah, so I mean, pretty, was awesome. To, yeah, yeah. That '93 run was, like I said, was you know important in in my life and John's life and. But, you know, we got a couple minutes because that story that went over time was so great and we loved every second of it. But I got to ask one last thing of you. Of course, 
you ended your career, yeah. you know, going cross town. Uh, just just the thought of it, you know, you know, you knew for the years you played on the island how the rivalry was between the Rangers and the Islanders. What was it like stepping on the ice for the first time, wearing that other jersey, <laughs> and and playing the Islanders? I mean, even if if it was at the Coliseum or at the Garden, I mean, what was just the the, the feeling of it? It, it was it, it was actually I was sick to my stomach. Really. At the time. <laughs> Because my first, I had, I got, after it happened, I, I had my first game was against the Devils, so I came in, they, you know, I, I, they got me picked up, they brought me, brought me to the game, and I had to put the jersey on for my interview before the game, like the, like the pregame. Mm-hmm. Because of these questions, I used, obviously, that what they were asking me, and I was like, oh my god, I do not want to put this jersey on. <laughs> but then I'm like, I gotta put the jersey on. You gotta play. <laughs> and I'm so they're holding the jersey. I'm like, well, can I wait to get my equipment on? Because I didn't want to put the jersey on. And Darren, their PR guy, was like, well, Rich, you got to put the jersey on. I'm like, well, I know, but I'll put it on when I go on the ice. <laughs> He's like, no, you got to put the jersey on for the interview. Because <laughs> I really didn't want to put the jersey on. It was kind of funny. But obviously going there, and, and the, it's because of the rivalry. You know what I mean? Um it, it was. A, it's an amazing rivalry, I, and I believe it's still going. It has oh, to be. It's, right? it's still intense. It's still intense. It is an intense. It is. Nobody will ever understand that unless you're a Long Island fan and New Yorker. No one will ever understand the rivalry. Nobody will, yeah. unless you're in it. No. Um, and becoming part of it because it's. Uh, when I go to the Rangers, it's the same way. Like they hate the Islanders. Mm-hmm. Yep. Everybody hates everybody, so that's why the games are the way they are. That's why fat, it's all about bragging, right? And, um, you know, the Rangers treated me like gold. They were, no, but, you know, I was still, you know, my heart has always been with the Islanders because of being drafted and yeah, giving me the opportunity. So, you know, the, the you know, the, <clears throat> when I went to the Rangers, even when we played the Islanders, I was so excited to come back to the Coliseum, right? Because I got to play in, yep, in I considered right. my barn, right? Because the Rangers really wasn't my barn yet. It was like I was still a, tied to the Islanders. And right. Even it didn't matter anyway, because when I went to play at the Garden, they booed me every time I touched the puck. <laughs> for, the for the first, like, I'm like, and it didn't bother me, but eventually they kind of figured, oh, this guy's not that bad. Yeah. And they started cheering me, and it was, it was like, okay, they like me now. It's like, <laughs> but they treat you really good, and there's some great stories there, too. We could go on forever. But oh, I know. There's fun stories about wish... that. You know, I think being in that hockey world and alumni, um, we're very fortunate to play the game that we are, that we get to play, and we get to be entertainment and then live, you know, live a dream and, and make a living out of it. And I always say, I said, when you get paid to chase that small of a little black puck, like just when you really think about that, or hit that little ball or catch that football, it's actually kind of nuts. It's pretty cool. You know, it really is, and we're fortunate to be, and I'm, and I'm very grateful for well, it. Well, Rich, we could talk to you forever, but i got to tell you one thing. You know, um, have you been checking out the uh, the new arena that's coming up uh, on Long Island coming next year? Yes, I've been checking. Yeah, I have been. I've been, well, I've been keeping my tab. It looks yeah, well, gorgeous. All I know is you gotta get you got to get down here when they open the, open the rink up. I do. I actually, you know what, I've made promise to a lot of people that I'm going to come down because I don't drink anymore, so it's been 16 years, so I got a little, it's not that I'm nervous to go, it's just that, you know, when I went, you know, I was in New York, I, I, you know, I had fun, right? You know, I played hard on the ice, yeah. played hard off the ice, and, um, you know, and I tell my son now, so the reason I tell you shit, I tell my kid, I'm like, because the stuff, the mistakes that I made, I know the regrets I have. I said, see, there's, there's one thing about having fear, 
and being fearful, that's just temporary. But when you don't do something and you have a regret, that's for the rest of your life. Yeah, right. right. right? And well, that's one thing I have. I have regrets, and well, I don't want him to have that, right? So yep. but be afraid, man, but don't find a way to push through because if yeah. you have regrets, it's forever. Well, Rich, like I said, we could talk to you forever. We really appreciate you coming on. And like I said, if you get down to UBS... I can get in touch with you. Let me know. I would like to definitely come shake your hand and yep, thank yep. you for yeah. all the memories yeah, you gave to, to John and I over the years. We really appreciate you. And we best of luck. you back, too, because a lot of w- questions I wanted to ask. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, best of luck uh, with your team, and hopefully things go well. And please stay safe and healthy, okay? Oh, yeah. Yes, appreciate you. If you want to have me back on, I'd be more than welcome. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. We'll definitely go back down yeah. memory lane. Thanks, Rich, for calling in, and we'll I'll talk to you soon. Have a good day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Bye. Wow, that was some story. Some story. When we get back, we'll take your calls at 516-623-1240. Gary and John here on WGBB Sports Talk New York. We'll be back in a minute. You're listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. And we're back on Sports Talk 1240. Just as a reminder before we get uh, get to the calls, uh, we just want to remind everybody, you can follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at, at WGBB Sports Talk. You can also visit our website at WGBB. SportsTalk.com, where you can listen to all past shows and check out any upcoming show information. Lastly, if you don't do it already, and we really think you should, you should be subscribing to the podcast WGBB Sports Talk on iTunes, Spotify, or just about anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, again, we're going to take some calls for a little bit. The number you can reach us is 516-623-1240. And Paul live from deep in the heart of snowy Pennsylvania is joining us. What's up there, dude? What's going on, guys? So, so what do you think of Rich Pilon, huh? I, to be honest with you, I only got a chance to listen to the tail end of the story. Oh, you got oh, it. Was you got awesome. it. You, you got to go back and check, and check the I podcast. Promise, I promise I will go back it and I will listen to, listen to that story. Yes. Absolutely hysterical. You know, and, uh, and just for the record, he did more bombs than you did. <laughs> <laughs> he beat you two to one. Uh, yeah. He's never going to let me down for that, are you? No, we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> so tell me, um, we were talking on the car ride uh, coming here. Um, Should have won that game. Didn't win that game, but I can't find fault last night. Yeah, um, it, 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 it's one of those. They played. They played really well. They they couldn't hold the lead, and again. You're going up against Pittsburgh. You're still going up against Crosby. You're still going up against Malkin. You're still going up against Latang. You know, Jake Gunsel can be a pain in your butt every once in a while, but, you know, they, they, like the Washington Capitals, they still know how to win games. They know how to close things out. Yep. You know, they are, you know, former Stanley Cup champions, and the Islanders continue to learn that you gotta take it to another level if you really want to shut teams down. Now, 
to the Islanders' credit, all season long, when they have a lead, they pretty much do shut you down. But the Islanders are now learning, or shall we say struggling, to close out former champions because the champions know how to win hockey games. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Makes absolute total sense. I mean, you know, to me... Uh, I, I, that was really the frustrating part of of that game. I mean, you know, Thursday night, uh, you know, they they deserve to lose, you know, for the lack of a better way of saying it. But last <laughs> night, they did everything and deserved to win. And I think it's like one of those things that just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And I'm sure, it, you know, I'm sure it did for the team and for Barry as well, you know. Well, I, I, again, we're, we're we're still forming... A team, so to speak, you know, we're, we're for weeks now, actually, yeah, probably longer than weeks. We're probably talking months into a year. You know, we were always asking, you know, who's on our third line? Well, now we're, now we have a third line. Now we're waiting for that third line to come together because, uh, you know, with Bovillier, Pajot, and Wallstrom, especially Wallstrom, they're all coming together. They just haven't put it all into one game yet it you know they're putting in the work they're not getting the results they want just yet but they're going to and gary and i had talked on isles talk live last wednesday that the islander scoring is very top heavy meaning you're getting goals from you know specific players a la jordan everly who was phenomenal last night Mm -hmm. but you know if you get a third line rolling especially oliver wallstrom and if Michael Dalcole comes back and, you know, the youngsters all together start their scoring and the confidence starts brewing, I, it's a, you know, fans are going to have a different conversation. Yeah. I think Wallstrom is really going to be phenomenal once he gets his confidence and gets himself, you know, I, I don't think we've seen the, even the, the tip of the iceberg when it comes to that guy's talent. Yeah, no, I mean, we haven't seen the tip of the iceberg of any of the younger guys, John. No, none. But none I will yet. say, I will say, in the last, the, in the last game, his his stock price went up pretty good. You know, you could see oh, there, there, there's a lot of things you see, a lot of little things you see, um, things that you don't expect a tw- necessarily, you know, a 21 year old to to do. And I think that's that's what you got to hope for. You got to hope those those little baby steps moving up start getting to be bigger steps and i think you know once once a couple of goals hit the twine i think that's when those steps start getting bigger and just like you said you know once that happens yeah no it's it's all it's all slowly coming together and you know islander fans we gotta wait a little bit longer and you know lou brought up Kiefer bellows a little while ago and you know he said you know patience in in a sense patience is a virtue and you know Sometimes you just got to let the development come to the players. And to be honest with you, he's not just talking about Bellows. He's talking about all the other players as well. It's just that Trotz had called out Bellows in this particular sense. But it, it, it's that's Lou. It, you know, Lou is going to do that for every younger player. It's development first. And whether fans like it or not, for a lot of these younger players on the team right now, it is a development year. Yeah. And... We're going to have to have a little more patience with them. But I think, like we've been saying for a little while now, if they all get it together soon, hopefully, uh, we're going to be a very difficult team to beat from here on out. 
I, I just, and, you know, I think you're right. It's just getting to that point, and I think you know, Islander fans are Islander fans. There's you know, no, there's no, there's not a word. There's a word that's not in their vocabulary. Yeah, it's, it's patience, and I, I guess because of what we've dealt with as Islander fans, it's, it's kind of hard. It's like you can, you know, it's like. Being a starving person and having to stand outside the restaurant to wait to come in at a certain time when you can smell the food cooking. You know, it's like you see the potential. And, you know, and I think that playoff run last, you know, last summer really whet the appetites of a lot of Islander fans. And I think it's like, it's almost like, well, you know, they expect the next steps to be taken now. Like we shouldn't be where we are in the standings. We should be higher. And John, you, you said it perfectly, and and that's the trap. You said the playoff run last summer, right? Not the playoff run last season. There's a big difference between what happened last season and what happened over the summer. And I think that's where Islander fans are falling in for that little emotional trap, shall we say? If we go into last season. There was a very good chance the Islanders could have missed the playoffs completely. True. People forget no that. Whereas question. in the tournament in the summertime, everyone was healthy, ready to go. Everyone knew the system, especially JG Pajot, and they went off and running. So I, I, I think people, you know, the fans all together, they're like, we want to see what they did in the tournament, and you can't do that yet, especially with, you know, a five month layoff. And then you got to get the games going in. But I understand, you know, where the fans are coming from. They want to win. They want to win now. And they're tired of waiting. And I get that. But we're dealing with Lou Lamorello, <laughs> yep. who has the patience of a saint. I go further. And he's going to let these kids develop mm -hmm. as long as it takes, unless they absolutely can't do it anymore. So, and yes, Lou does want to win, but he's not going to make a trade if it's to his disadvantage. He's never, he's never made a trade where it's to his disadvantage. He will patiently wait and absolutely kill us emotionally until the trade favors him and the team. So, you know, I get it with the fans. To a degree, they're correct, but, you know, Let's see what happens at the trade deadline. I, I'll, I'll ask you guys this question. Would you play Andrew Ladd for a game or two? Yes. I would have if I saw signs of him on the taxi squad. And since I haven't, and I haven't seen him even play in Bridgeport yet, I would say the answer is no. I didn't even know he hadn't. Okay. I would say the answer is no. No, he's on the taxi squad. Is he on the taxi squad? Is he up with the team? I thought he was still in. I thought he was in Bridgeport. He did. He 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 came back after Otto Quavela and um, uh, Tim oh, were sent okay. down to Bridgeport. Okay, okay. I wasn't I wasn't aware of that, but I would I would still right now today. If you ask me, I'd say no. Maybe yeah. in a week I might change my mind. I would like okay. to see. I would like to see how the first three games of this this home, you know, because they're going to be home basically for the better part of three weeks now. Correct. You know, nine of eleven at home. The only two games on the road are in New Jersey, so basically you're in your you're in your own beds for for almost the better part of three weeks. And there is a couple of times I think where there's a couple of days between games so they can actually get practice time in. 
So I would give that to answer that question now. I would say I would give it a week, and maybe. You and know, you got to wonder now if he doesn't play at all. Granted, it's tough economic times, especially for the Islanders. But it, it, it's if you can't trade him at the trade deadline, it's time to terminate the contract. Yeah, I think they're waiting until he's yeah. now he's officially dead weight because if he's healthy. You can't put him on the LTIR. Right. And we don't know if there's going to be a taxi squad next year. So, I mean, if, if you really even want an extra fresh body from, you know, Bridgeport, you can't have Andrew Ladd there. You know, at some point, you're going to have to either give him a shot to see what he can do, or you got to trade the contract. You got to do something. So, and there's you know, again, I understand too. where fans are coming from, but Lou is never going to make a trade out of a disadvantage. But you may as well use the players that you have. And he's used up everybody except Thomas Hickey and Andrew Ladd and Corey Schneider. I think Schneider may get a game or, game or two at some point, you know, maybe even Thomas Hickey for Andy Green. But the biggest question mark right now is Andrew Ladd. Yeah. Yeah, and right. if you're going to play him, where do you play him? I mean, you know, you know, you, do you want to sit the kids that you're really trying to get to develop? Like, do you, do you pull Wallstrom? Do you, you know? I don't you know. know. You got and I agree you can right now. We have bounce Komarov. Yeah, you can bounce Komarov. I, I, I don't. Yeah, know. you can bounce Komarov. You know, you 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 know. I, granted, Andrew Ladd on the second line right now is not the greatest of ideas, but you know. When Michael Del Cole comes back, hopefully healthy from his injury or whatnot, and you have that third line running, no, there's no need to put Andrew Ladd in there. But in all honesty, if something else happens, you got to see what you have out of him. you got to use the whole team at this point. And if you're not going to use Andrew Ladd at all this year, you know, why keep him at this point? Why keep the contract? Well, that's it. You're, you're so, I don't know. It's... Yeah. He's there. He's got the NHL pedigree. You know, Trotz used him in the third period of you know of the playoffs last year. I I, I don't know. Okay, let's change let's change some scenery. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, what happened yesterday in Lake Tahoe? <laughs> Interesting. Uh, I you know what the scenery was beautiful. I thought it was uh, a very stunning. It was a very sketchy first period, and I actually was able to stay up to watch this. You know, the rest of the game. Uh, I thought the, the night game was great. I was just watching Philadelphia and Boston before. I love it. Um, you know, I I, I kind of like that quiet scenery where it's just the players, it's the rink, and you get the you know, and and you get the outdoors like that. Um, I I think the NHL did something right here. Um, I don't know if they'll be able to do that all the time. I'm sure they're going to be looking for fans and whatnot. But you know, a spot like Lake Tahoe—that that great idea. I, you know, I loved the game last night too. Yeah, couldn't you see yourself doing a road trip to Mount Rushmore in like 2024? Yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, I could. They, yeah, they, yeah. It's weird how they're talking about something. I think that would be an uh, be an absolutely awesome environment and as you said it, it was it was great i, I love the uh, the line that mike Tarico used it's the longest first intermission in the history of the nhl you know, oh yeah going eight hours but you know oh, yeah but you were right i mean when the, i i watched most of the second period 
last night, and uh, the ice was the ice looked great. You know, just amazing what a couple hours will do. But uh, you could see uh, the that I'll, I'll tell you that Nathan McKinnon goal was unbelievable. And supposedly they had a they had an ISO on uh, on uh, Peter Petrangelo, and he's like, "Oh no!" Literally came out of his mouth when 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 McKinnon came by and went by yeah. him and scored the goal. I mean, that's he is just. And and they said it right last uh, yesterday that you know somehow when he's got the puck, I've never seen anybody with the puck get at higher gear. He is just he's he's a beast. Well, yeah, he's a. And I'm going double for you. How good is Kale McCarr going to be? Yeah, oh, his yeah. skating. Oh my God! Like we we we've been gushing over Noah Dobson lately, but Kale McCarr for Colorado. Oh, he's going to be someone special. He's on another. He's on another. He's planet. already turning into that. I love his skating as a defenseman. Oh, yeah, and they have uh, they have another young kid too. Um, I can't remember his name, but he was number four. I know that. Um, but another young defense. You know, they've their defenses. In the, I would say in the next year or so is going to be ridiculous if they could just. I mean, Grubauer's done well, and he's got. You know, the ability to do well, but he just doesn't seem to do it in the playoffs. If they can get a playoff goaltender, that, 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 that team could be a potential dynasty. I agree. No, there's, I, I think they're one solid goaltender away from making a very, very long run. I agree. Yeah, they just got so But many- no, Lake Tahoe, I, I love it. I, I love little ideas like that. Absolutely. So. You know, I hope they do more of it. You know, not just the stadium series, not just, you know, the winter classic. I, I would, you know, I, quote unquote, I'd love to get away and watch a hockey <laughs> game like that. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's the, uh, the tough thing. We need, we need to get away and, and, and see sporting events. And, you know, um, you know, they've said that, you know, next week, starting next week, the Rangers and the, and the Knicks are, go- are going to have fans in the stands. As a matter of fact, uh, I believe the Rangers are putting limited number of, of seats for sale to their games, which is surprising. I figured they would, you know, all their season, you know, I know not all, but I mean the season ticket holders that they have would, 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 you know, take whatever's available. But, um, but again, uh, you and I talk privately on the phone, you know, nothing coming out of the Islanders yet. And, and to be perfectly honest, I don't have any problem with that at this point. Yeah, no. Um, you know, the, 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 the Islanders lost. Well, first off, the, the Islanders were valued, according to Forbes magazine, around $500 million. And the Islanders lost very close to $50 million last year. And that's close to 10% of their value. So, you know, well, you're now entering year. a season where there have not been any fans and you're no longer at Barclays. You no longer have any kind of access to suites. And, you're at the Coliseum for the entire year, and if you start to bring in fans, no matter what the number is, you still have to spend money on security. You still have to spend money on, I guess, concessions because they'd have to open up, you know, more janitorials and, you know, ambulance workers just in case, you know, for emergencies and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And that does cost money. So, you know, it's nice of Nassau, I'm sorry, it's not, it, it, it's nice of, Governor Cuomo to, you know, allow 10% of the people, but, you know, financially, I think the Islanders would be 
better off if they knew they were going to be in the playoff hunt, which, in all honesty, we may not know until April. So right. who knows? Yeah, it's, it's it's for Islander fans. I hope they get in earlier, but you know, it, it, it it's a tough spot for you know Malkin and Ledecky just because of where they are right now. I think if we if we were in Belmont, this wouldn't even be a question. I think the fans would be allowed one hundred percent, absolutely. But yeah. you know, yeah, it's, because it's the Coliseum. You know, maybe they'll hold off a little bit longer. So um, I was I was actually going to um, get um, Alan Furing to come on, but he had a, unfortunately he had a couple of commitments tonight and couldn't do it. Um, but let's uh, in a few minutes we got before the hour ends. Why don't we talk about um, about the BST? Um, you know, slow start one and four, um, but I do see some good. I've seen some good signs, you know, coming out of there. Why don't you just give us a little uh, a glimpse of that? Uh, to, to be very honest, and this is all respect to the players now, because I, I am officially old on this one, they're babies. <laughs> they're young kids. They're, they're literally 20, 21. They're, they're fresh out of minors. Uh, this is not a veteran-laden team. Uh, these, these, these guys are really learning how to play the two-way game at this point. And it's, it's all slowly coming to them. Um, I, I like the fact that they're playing Providence, um, 12 to 16 times this year because Providence has been one of the best AHL teams in the last four or five years. So it's a tough, tough development for the players, but it'll be much better, uh, in the long run. I like Jakob Skarik, the, uh, the Bridgeport goalie so far. Um, he really hasn't looked out of place. But again, I think with the team defense, as that comes together, I think you're going to see his numbers improve. Uh, Simon Holmstrom, he's pretty decent. Uh, he's put up a, I believe a goal. He had a good perimeter goal, uh, I think in his second, second or third game in. And, uh, you know, everyone's high on Samuel Balduke. Uh, he's got a really, he's got like a Johnny Boychuk type of slap shot. But, uh, defensively, you know, he still needs a little bit of work. But, you know, again, very young, very raw talent. Um, everybody, not just Samuel. Um, no, it, but they, they, they don't look out of place, to be honest with you. They're, they're in the games for at least the first two and a half quarter, uh, two and a half periods. It's right around that third period where things just to, seem to collapse for them. Well, that's and, what happened you know, in the, the, uh, Providence game the other night. I, I was watch, I was listening to the game and they were doing really well and it was just, um, from what Alan said, just one one blown assignment, and uh, yeah, you know they gave up that that goal, and they lost they lost John one nothing. Oh. And Scarrick yeah. was and again Scarrick because they're a young team, they give up that goal, and then poof, it's you know it's kind of like they I, I don't want to say they give up, but then they really struggle to get back into it. And that's that's a sign of a very as you said a very very young young team, you know. But yeah. I guess the good thing about the situation that they have is, you know, I don't know if you know, John, but they're only playing 24 games, 12, uh, 12 against Providence and 12 against Hartford. Yeah, I know they only having three. And um, but the thing is, they're playing like one game. You know, they, they, you know, their longest road trip is two, and you know, homestand is two. You know, yeah. but they're playing, you know, you know, five days between the yeah, average of four point five days between games. So it's it's good in that fact that they can at least get systems working and and work on specific needs as you know. So it's to me it's not a league. It's more almost like like a series of training sessions. 
It is, and that's, I'm glad you brought that up, Gary, because I know a lot of people are like saying Kiefer Bellows down, and I just disagree with that at this point. No, Kiefer no, Bellows pointless. does not need like an extended training camp. He really doesn't. He needs to learn the system. He needs to buy in. He needs to uh, develop. And going down to Bridgeport at this point, he's above that. He, you know, he, He's above an extended training camp. There are a lot of younger players down in Bridgeport who will absolutely benefit from something like this this year. I don't think, in my opinion, it would help out Kiefer Bellows at this point. I mean, honestly... Getting Otto Koivula down there in Timishoff, okay, I think they're just there to get the reps in. But in my honest opinion, I don't think it really benefits them either. Yeah, this totally. is for like, it, it's like an extended rookie camp, if you know what I mean. But yep. this is like a big time, um, you know, learning process for the rest of Bridgeport. But I, I, you know, if they send Kiefer down, okay, great. I, I personally, I think it would be a bad idea if they did send him yeah. down. No, I agree. Listen, Paul, we gotta let, we gotta let you go, but uh, plug uh, plug Isles Talk. Isles Talk on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and uh, I think Wednesday we're going to do another Isles Talk live. We are going to talk a little bit more about Oliver Wallstrom. We're going to do a little bit of Kiefer Bellows as well. So, Gary and John, if you want to be guests, let me know, and we'll uh, we'll the three of us will do it together on Wednesday. Sounds like All a right. plan. I mean, we can get John uh, John on. That'd be good. Okay. All right, Paul. Listen, thanks for the call, man. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Take it easy. All right, you too. All right. So when we come back at the top of the hour, we're going to do another Islander Alumni Corner where Aaron Asham is going to be joining us uh, to talk about his career and what he's been doing. Uh, So one hour in the books, one hour to go on Sports Talk New York. Gary and John here. We'll see you back in a couple minutes. expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.